Welcome back to this two-part series on this possible future of the east side of Disneyland. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to go back and read or listen to part one before you continue with this podcast. Before we look at my ideas for what Disney can do with the east side of my favorite place on Earth, I wanted to share briefly a few more thoughts on Fantasyland. I mentioned in part one some of the rumors that are out there, chief among them the possibility of raising the Fantasyland Theater in order to make room for one to two additional attractions. For whatever it is worth, I recommended that the top candidates be Disney World's Seven Dwarf Mine Train, The Enchanted Tales with Belle, and the Be Our Guest Restaurant. While it'd be great to see all of the above, I took a little time using Google to see if the footprints of these attractions could approximately fit within that area, and unfortunately they do not. Perhaps Imagineers could get creative and dig deep, literally, to bury the queue for Enchanted Tales, but I still doubt that all three can fit into this space. If you had to choose between the three, which one would you go with? I've included a survey monkey poll in the text version of this podcast that includes a space where you can add your own suggestion if you don't like the options I came up with. Poll closes once it hits 100 participants, so don't delay to make your opinion known. I will share the final results on my social media accounts of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay, so let's move on to the big enchilada, and that is the future of the east side of the park. Without further ado, here is what I would like to see. First of all, a whole lot of demoing would go down that would make what happened in the northwest side of the park in preparation for Galaxy's Edge look like child's play. From the former Carousel of Progress turned Innoventions, turned Star Wars Launch Bay building, up through Autopia, finding Nemo's Submarine Voyage, and all of the monorail that weaves through this area, I recommend that they scrape it clean down to the bare dirt. Additionally, in Tomorrowland, all of the remaining old People Mover track in the Astro Orbiter would be completely removed. The structures that currently house Buzz Lightyear Astro Blasters and Star Tours can be salvaged, but completely gutted and likely heavily reskinned. Same with the interior spaces that used to hold the Starcade, as well as the former home of Captain EO and Honey, I Shrunk the Audience, the Magic Eye Theater. Once we have wiped the slate clean, what should move in? First of all, I'm going to include in the text version of this podcast links to a great video FastPass Facts made on legendary Imagineer Tony Baxter's never-realized vision to reboot Tomorrowland, as well as an article by the Theme Park Tourist website. I think they provide some amazing background on this part of the park, and I'll shamelessly steal a few components of Mr. Baxter's brain. So let's start with what I will call Tomorrowland proper, which includes its entrance from the end of Main Street through the end of the large structures that dominate the southeast part of Disneyland, Star Wars Launch Bay, Space Mountain, etc. Before we talk about specific attractions, let's first consider the overall aesthetic or theme. As I see it, there are two routes they can go. One, update it to a Tomorrowland 5.0. Yes, along with the original opening day edition, there have been three identifiable relaunches of this space. Or two, rename it, according to Baxter's vision, as Discoveryland. While it was not a full realization of his concepts, Discoveryland in Paris is worth checking out as it does reflect some of Baxter's ideas, especially with Space Mountain Mission 2 and the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea walkthrough. Personally, I favor an updated Tomorrowland. There is just something about the word tomorrow that has such deep history and resonates so strongly with the core value of Walt Disney, best reflected in the lyrics of the theme song for the original Carousel of Progress. There is a great big beautiful tomorrow, shining at the end of every day. I still think that it can incorporate some of the retro ideas that Baxter was trying to highlight in order for the land to be more timeless, and for its iconic space mountain to not seem so out of place. Perhaps this attraction can be recast as part of a museum-like corner to the rest of this hyper-futuristic space. 
When I posted part one in the Disneyland Facebook group a few weeks ago, one person shared a brilliant idea that the overall aesthetic of an updated Tomorrowland could match that of Wakanda in the recent Black Panther film. I love the kinetic feel of the city with what looked to be magnetically driven or maglev trains for mass transit, yet also with nearly carless streets packed full of pedestrians. It also felt lush, something that is very much the trend in environmentally sensitive urban development, which now often feature rooftop gardens and parks. The end result is an interesting juxtaposition of steel, concrete, and glass, along with lush green vegetation. The goal is a 22nd century version of Babylon's Hanging Gardens. The online trade magazine, Architectural Digest, did a whole piece on the potential of Wakanda-like cities in the future. Of course, there wouldn't be an explicit connection to the movie, as we all know that Marvel Land will soon be arriving next door at DCA. But Tomorrowland 5.0 can certainly borrow from the inspirational aesthetics of Wakanda. What about attractions? Well, this updated Tomorrowland could very well be synonymous with Technology Land, with a focus on areas of exploration where the dream of discovery drives curiosity. These domains to investigate could basically be described as the worlds of small, digital, and up. I probably won't score many points for creativity, as you will see that all of these concepts have links to past attractions and concepts. Nevertheless, here they are. Why not reintroduce an Adventures Through Inner Space attraction? Originally, it was supposed to be part of a literal science land, which aligns well with the theme of exploration. I bet with today's special effects wizardry, they could do some mind-bending stuff to give writers the illusion of shrinking. They just need to come up with a crisis of some sort to drive the storyline of the ride. As far as location, this would fit well with a simulator-type attraction and therefore could make use of the existing Star Tour space. It could focus on exploring parts of the microscopic world which could, like Star Tours, feature multiple scenarios to avoid predictability and encourage multiple returns to the ride. A challenge to this idea would be if they decided to do something similar in an Ant-Man attraction over in DCA, though I have not heard rumors to that effect. While the sequel didn't capture the magic of its original 1982 flick, no one could argue about the stunning visuals of Tron Legacy. Again, tying in nicely to the theme of advanced technology and exploring digital space, I think there are some promising ride concepts to be explored here beyond Shanghai and soon the Magic Kingdom's Tron Light Cycle Power Run. But if Disney execs wanted to save money on development, they could probably find a way to fit this roller coaster in around where Star Tours Launch Bay and Autopia's loading area once stood. Plus, we all know how they love attractions built on movie franchises. And while Tron 3 has stalled, there is still some hope that it will return and pick up steam. Side note, any way they could incorporate an end-of-line club restaurant into this attraction like Pirates of the Caribbean's Blue Bayou would be phenomenal. As far as exploring space, in a nod to the old Mission to Mars or Epcot's Mission Space, let's bring in an ultra-realistic space flight simulator to complement the more campy and retro space mountain. As far as Mars goes, yes, Elon Musk ambitiously wants to land the first human being on the Red Planet by 2025, but that is an extremely rosy prediction and risky endeavor. As he said in a 2016 interview, it's dangerous and probably people will die. NASA and other space agencies don't see this realistically happening for another 20 to 30 years, so that should mean a reasonable shelf life for this ride. Plus, there's some scientifically grounded dreaming around traveling at the speed of light and possibly even faster. Perhaps a space flight simulator bypasses Mars altogether and takes us to the most distant reaches of the known universe in a few minutes. While somewhat controversial, especially at that time, Disney might consider tapping into its dark side and bringing back something along the lines of Disney World's retired extraterrestrial alien encounter. 
A permanently scary attraction to complement the seasonal ghost galaxy overlay of Space Mountain would be deliciously attractive for fright fiends and some nice counter-programming to Disney's usually kid-friendly fare. A few other ideas worth considering would be reviving something similar to the Monsato House of the Future as either a walkthrough or a brief live presentation on the most cutting-edge technologies. This kind of attraction doesn't need much space and isn't a people-eater, but park-goers enjoy these places out of the sun where they can sit and relax for a few minutes, like Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln or DCA's Animation Academy. Hell, I bet they can even get a corporate sponsor, which again makes the bean counters happy. Or here's a really outlandish idea. A Tomorrowland hotel that would be accessed via the monorail through a dedicated entry at the new Disneyland Transit Center. More on that in a few minutes. People would pay a premium price to stay in rooms overlooking this part of the park with dedicated and early access to Disneyland every day of their visit. And for those who just can't let the fond memories of the people mover go, perhaps some of the track is renovated for an attraction that similarly weaves around Tomorrowland, again adding to the space's kinetic activity. So those are my thoughts on what I called Tomorrowland proper. What about the rest of the land that used to belong to Utopia, the people mover and monorail's winding tracks in Finding Nemo? I'm tentatively dubbing this new part of Disneyland the World Expo, though I'm sure it could have a catchier handle. But we will leave that branding to the marketing gods. The general concept is to tie as much of the four corners of the earth together in a uniquely themed area featuring multiple e-ticket attractions and great ethnic food and unique merchandise options. Unlike Epcot's World Showcase, this land would not have a developed look, but rather one that feels more remote, inviting guests into a more exotic experience. Tying into the globally comprehensive It's a Small World and the European-based Matterhorn of the Swiss Alps, two additional e-ticket attractions will be built to the east with a multi-ethnic marketplace or bazaar for food and other internationally-themed merchandise. Here are my thoughts on possible attractions. A Mulan ride would border the north end of the new Tomorrowland. The show building would be buried under a portion of the green Himalayan mountains while using forced perspective to depict the Great Wall of China snaking across the peaks. I believe this would instantly become an iconic visual for this new land. North of this would either be an Aladdin or Lion King attraction. Again, the actual show buildings would be covered, either with a desert-like queue leading to the Cave of Wonders, perhaps the famous pyramids of Egypt are incorporated, again using forced perspective, or an African Serengeti environment leading to Pride Rock. A diamond-shaped marketplace would feature food and merchandise in keeping with the attraction that each side faces, whether that be African, Arabic, Asian, or European cuisine and collectibles. Perhaps two-sided archways in between each of these environments could serve as visual barriers to the other lands within this World Expo, though it could be interesting to see such radically different settings within one's peripheral vision. So one of the big questions some of you are likely asking is, what about the monorail? Well, going back to trends and city planning, multimodal transit centers continue to be built around the world as the future of mass transportation. By definition, they bring together two or more modes of public transit under one roof in order to make it easy to transfer to other systems, which then opens up access to more destinations. How cool would it be to have a full or semi-enclosed futuristic-looking transit center with a time-traveling turn-of-the-20th-century locomotive pulling into the ground floor, while elevators and escalators take passengers up to a second-floor monorail station? And perhaps if a portion of an updated people mover is reborn, there is a place to transfer to this on the second floor as well. For those disembarking, they will exit the station to views of the previously discussed Wakanda-esque Tomorrowland. I once again went to Google to see how this might work. I took the tightest turn in the current monorail track and shifted it south. 
The monorail might need to discreetly pass through the edge of a show building or two, but that is very doable. There's a few added bonuses that I see coming from these major changes. First is an improved queue to the Matterhorn. With a new Alps-themed skin to the north side of the building that currently houses Buzz Lightyear and the Galactic Grill, and perhaps a tunnel entrance from the new Tomorrowland into the World Expo, gone are the days of the glaring contrast of these lands. Plus, a more scenic and interactive queue can be built where part of Nemo's Ocean was located, eliminating the boring chain switchback line that now exists. The best secondary bonus to a new Tomorrowland and World Expo is to the Disneyland Railroad. What happens now once you depart the Toontown Station and It's a Small World feels like you have pretty much left the park and gone backstage. You get treated to the glorious sights of the switch for both the train and monorail which leads back to the maintenance building. Prior to this is my personal favorite, the lone sign extolling agriculture. Then you return to the park at what is quite honestly a pretty generic Tomorrowland station. Replacing all of that could be a tunnel with discreet views of the new Aladdin, Lion King, or Mulan rides, much like riders experience when they go through Splash Mountain. After exiting this, the train will pull into the new Tomorrowland Transit Center, only then to leave and visit the Grand Canyon and then travel back in time to Primeval World. These improvements, along with the much-enhanced journey along the rivers of America, would really make the entire Disneyland Railroad seem like an attraction of its own. Well, there you have it. While I usually don't enable the comments section on most of my blog posts, I'm going to make an exception for this one. So please feel free to comment below with your thoughts. What do you like? What do you think won't work? What are your ideas? I would love to hear it all. Until next time, so long, fellow armchair Imagineers. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. And remember that you can check out more of my takes on faith, social justice, and popular culture, along with other life-inspiring musings, by visiting www.curtelewis.com. If you enjoyed and benefited from this and other publications featured on my website, would you take a few minutes to show your support? First, you can share it with your friends via social media, text, message, email, word of mouth, pigeon bird, cave art, whichever you prefer. Second, if you're listening on iTunes, take a few seconds to subscribe to this podcast and to give it a positive review. Lastly, you can help me to continue to produce these podcasts by making monthly or one-time financial contributions. Click on subscribe support on the website to learn more. Again, thanks so much for listening.